Because, you know, they can be bloaty and mess with your gland balances. And before you know it... What are you talking about? I like my... Welcome in, friends, uh, to this, the 184th edition of Fusebox. I'm your drinking from the loving cup but feeling even more thirsty. Host, Mark Rosen over there, uh, wrangling the dials and levers and pulleys of uh, every shape and description, is, of course, the deacon of DSP himself, Mill Keynes, everybody. Well, thank you kindly. So, uh, <laughs> the, the, the lunatics are officially in charge now. Waiting for a bus to get to the office. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know where you're headed. Well, did you see that dumpster fire of a gathering in Texas? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. We speak of an event that, uh, by now, I would, I, I would presume most folks have at least uh, heard a mumble or two about this. Uh, concerns the return from uh, the dead of John F. Kennedy Jr. Accompanied by the orange guy that we're uh, supposed to announce at uh, 12.30 p.m. Texas time, right there on the infamous and now stinky uh, grassy knoll area, a truly bizarre run for the White House in 2024. Yeah, a dead guy and a sham artist. Well, at least we know what they are. Yeah, there is that, I suppose. Well... This just cracks open a wonderfully deranged supposition from the Quercozoids at Q. Remember them, right? So uh, there's a most fascinating family tree of sorts that these folks have uh, come up with with that really does defy the laws of time and space and maybe even a little biology on the side. Oh, buddy, I gotta hear this. (laughs) And so you shall, Mr. Keynes. I, I, I think MSNBC's Ali Velshi elaborates uh, most competently. According to the conspiracy theory, Donald Trump is related to the Kennedy family. Here's how. George Patton is the grandson of Abraham Lincoln. Benito Mussolini is George Patton's brother. Joseph Kennedy, who's the older brother of John F. Kennedy, who we thought died in World War II, actually didn't, but he went into hiding and had a son who happens to be General Michael Flynn, which makes Flynn first cousins to John F. Kennedy Jr. And where is Trump in this nutty family tree? Donald Trump is, get this, the biological son of General Patton, which makes Trump the first cousin of JFK Jr., Which explains why Donald Trump actually accused Senator Ted Cruz's father of being friends with JFK's killer. He was avenging the death of his uncle. Jeebus. Precisely. So you see, it all makes perfect sense now, right? I mean, how could we not see this miraculous linkage? Well, 
I, for one, have never actually put my head that far up my own ass. <laughs> Very likely. The only thing that intrigues me there is is the is the Mussolini connection. Yeah, and uh, we know how that played out. Yeah, uh, they shot him, hung him upside down, and then uh, tied him to a truck and took him for a scrape around the city. And they maybe fired a few more shots into him. I don't know. Works for me. Yeah. Well, uh, this is all entirely bonkers. And uh, as I said, not even biologically possible in the case of Orange Guy's uh, lineage there. You know, I wonder how Daddy Trump would have taken that bit about Patton being Orange Guy's true father. Well, I would suppose the way he always would take things. Uh, just punch Donald in the face. Again, works for me. Yeah, yeah. So this family tree with the woodworm has more than a few cracks uh, running around in its trunk there. But put all that aside for a moment. Uh, we have this uh, uh, rally in Texas uh, awaiting the triumphant return of a dead guy and uh, his majesty of orange. And uh, what do you suppose happens at 1230? Right there on the grassy knoll. Let me guess. They both appear, and uh, driving in an Edsel, and they got Jimmy Hoffa at the wheel and Elvis riding shotgun. <laughs> very, very close, Mr. Keynes. The same people who believe all of this nonsense also believe that this past week, at the same time and place where President John F. Kennedy was killed, his late son, JFK Jr., would reveal himself as alive and well. And he would proclaim that he was re-entering society as Donald Trump's running mate in the 2024 presidential election. Hundreds of people actually showed up in Dallas to witness the second coming of JFK Jr. for the second running of Donald J. Trump. They came fully prepared. They had shirts and signs that read Trump Kennedy 2024. Now, needless to say, neither JFK Jr. nor his father showed up to this party, but the tenacious group of critical thinkers did not give up. Some members of the group came to the logical epiphany that John John must be disguised as Keith Richards, the Rolling Stones guitarist. I knew it. Yeah. Imagine Keith's delight, huh? Turns out uh, they were playing a concert in town uh, just a couple of days later, I, I, I guess. And, uh, well, nothing happened there either. Except some great music, one uh, would hope. <laughs> Can you imagine the backstage hoot that that must have caused? <laughs> yeah. Obviously, this was a washout. But as uh, this group is quick to do, they just move the goalpost, or in this case, the entire stadium, to fit the next epic fail. Now, in, in Q's quasi-defense, and I really don't need to be on their defense team, I can tell you that this uh, particular fringe of this larger fringe is just that the ultra-high-test wacko contingent of this uh, already pretty certifiably delirious group, as uh, uh, Ali tells it. According to NBC News reporter Ben Collins, Q addressed their nation of followers and made three revelations. One, JFK Jr. is in fact dead. Two, the earth is not flat. And three, elections are safe. Yet just one month after that, Trump supporters stormed the Capitol, QAnon adherents in the crowd motivated by the big lie that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Seems like even Q doesn't control QAnon believers anymore. Man, 
Even the head asshat can't reel in his followers. You know, that's, that's a flashing red light on your brain's dashboard, bro. One would think. The thing with this group is that a, a couple of things are uh, real obvious. In, uh, in contrast to their wombat poot, family trees, and Jewish space lasers uh, starting forest fires, the undeniable fact that they have some very strong support from uh, certain members of the military, like former National Security Advisor and man awaiting extradition to Pluto, Michael Flynn, he's been very, very vocal about the uh, Q thing. Well, the thing is, the GOP is suspiciously quiet on all this Q stuff, and and by its damn silence, it's kind of nodding in agreement to it all. uh, Seriously, there's just no doubt about that perception. The, uh, quote, optics are rather disturbing there. If you say nothing in opposition, then we have to presume, right? You're uh, supporting the cause. To overthrow democracy. (laughs) Right. Certainly not making it better, unless returning to living in the 13th century seems like a good idea to you. If she drowns, she's not a witch. Yep, those carefree days of torture and pestilence. Yeah. Good times. I still think you should have locked them up. TheFuseBoxShow.com Okay, so out of the box, okay, I want to say that we are not wanting to return to a political commentary soapbox as we uh, (laughs) admittedly were uh, morally obligated to do over the last few years as things just got, well, let's face it, just truly bizarre, but... We will uh, dip our toe with the uh, overgrown nail right there, yeah, in the water. Yeah, just to say a few things uh, about a couple of court trials going on. Uh, just can't ignore this. Oh, by the way, hence the crackers in our title of this edition of the show, friends. At, uh, at least as it applies to the proceeding in Georgia. Now, down there, the trial has begun on the... Uh, Well, let's just call it what it is. The murder of Ahmad Arbery as uh, he was jogging through a neighborhood in a Georgia suburb. A predominantly white neighborhood. Yeah, indeed. Well, the case is pretty well known. Uh, These three men decided uh, in their driveways that uh, Ahmad was uh, a threat somehow and then went gunning for him. Or in their words, quote, in an attempt to make a citizen's arrest. (laughs) It does appear that uh, one of those guys uh, was a former police officer. Yeah, now rent-a-cop. Yeah. Well, the footage has been uh, all over the net, and we clearly see what what followed, as, of course, (laughs) one of the participants in that horrible event was videotaping the whole incident. So, nothing vague in this situation. But the thing I want to address is this uh, frustrating juror selection here. Of the 12 jurors, only one is an African-American. One. Eleven whiteies. Eleven. So egregiously lopsided was this juror selection 
that the judge himself said this. This court has found that there appears to be uh, intentional uh, discrimination in the pound. Quite a few African-American jurors were excused through preemptory strikes exercised by the defense. But that doesn't mean that the court has the, the authority to reseat. Yeah, now that bit there about the court having the right to uh, reseat jurors, you know, you'd think in a perfect world it would be the primary function of the court to ensure that there is a balanced representation uh, in the jury box there. So what happened? Were they bought by the mantis aliens in suits or what? No, no. Actually, Mr. Keynes, this goes back to a 1986 ruling the Supreme Court made that actually tries to prevent overt racially charged uh, preemptive strikes by either the prosecution or the defense, really. (laughs) But due to some crazy loophole tactics, the trial judge in this case cannot edit the jury selection. He can, as he did, uh, make it part of the record, but absolutely little else than that. Well, that's just fucked up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's from the same playbook as the Shamsters, like uh, the Orange Guy and Steve Bannon are hoping to use. Uh, You know, the the run-out-the-clock move. Keep tying up the proceeding until the statute of limitations hit, and uh, they have to dismiss the whole case. So they got one black juror and 11 white folks. How the hell is this going to be justice? In a word, it's not. Now, on our last show, I made reference to the fact that uh, courts are becoming rather interesting of late. Decisions are being made that uh, just they just seem to defy logic sometimes. And, and an example like this one, where even the judge is crying foul but can't do anything about it. Uh, <laughs> mm. Oh, man, do I smell smoke? I think their peaches are on fire. <laughs> yeah, let's hope not, because uh, this present day has folks with lots of pent-up rage and uh, nowhere to throw it. So all we need is the verdict to go sideways here and then look out. In Wisconsin, Kyle Rittenhouse uh, shot three people during a Black Lives Matter protest in uh, Kenosha. And uh, that trial has been underway for a while as well. That jury selection went exactly the same way. There's one black juror. In this case, the victims were white, I believe. But because of the nature of the event, to support the BLM cause, it appears that they have the same preemptive strike tactic being used here by the defense. And again, nothing can be done to balance out the juror selections. Yeah, now this one's a little bit confusing to me. I mean, yeah. we have footage of this thing from practically everywhere, and it's still not entirely clear what the hell is going on verbally. Well, yeah, uh, I, I I know. Uh, now, I heard about this at, at the at the time, but I, I haven't followed this one as closely. But uh, one thing's for sure. It's a mess again. Yeah, and both of these trials have the defendants claiming self-defense, too. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. It's kind of sort of murky in the Rittenhouse trial, but uh, the one in Georgia, uh, for me anyway, slam dunk. Seriously. Two guys that are both armed and attack this jogger who is completely unarmed, they are claiming that they were in danger. Yeah, no. Sure makes no logical sense. 
you know? I guess we'll just have to see what, uh, what develops from here. We'll, we'll watch from a uh, safe distance, I would suggest. As to not get too bogged down and current eventy here, I, uh, I wanted to change gears here and share with you, uh, friends, a uh, rather tremendously fun project we're embarking on uh, this week, as it turns out. The uh, same folks that brought us the War of the Worlds reboot we did uh, last month, Reimagined Radio, have another one sizzling in the pot. And this one, this one is, uh, uh, by definition, I guess, an absurdist treat, and uh, I couldn't be more jazzed about producing it for them. It's called Figursky at Findhorn on Acid. I gotta say, the, uh, the source material comes from a pioneering work in hypertext novelization written by Richard Holton in 2001. Huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thought that might be a wee vague. No, thank you. A hypertext novel is a story written to live completely in the cyber realm, meaning it's intangible. It's not an actual book or uh, even printed. It resides completely in the digital realm. So uh, you can only read this thing on a desktop computer back in the day. The uh, hypertext bit is the fact that as you read along in the story, there are links, just like the links we happily uh, click on today to go to various destinations, as it turns out. But in the case of the story, these links advance certain components of the story if selected. Maybe a uh, historical setting is uh, accessed by clicking on one of the links there, or maybe a character uh, interaction that was uh, foreshadowed in a prior paragraph, whatever. The, the possibilities were, are, uh, pretty endless here. Another fun fact for you folks out there following along with your copy of the Fusebox home game. Right. Uh, Richard's premier hypertext novel is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. And it was basically resurrected through uh, many long, tedious hours of uh, data laborium by the gifted folks at the Electronic Literature Lab at Washington State University under the uh, direction of Dr. Dini Gregar. So, we are endeavoring to produce a, a small, condensed portion of this work in audio form to be broadcast uh, on radio. Oh. That's right. In January. Holy carp. So... Like, do I need a doctorate and shit to listen to this thing? Uh, no, Mr. Cage, you do not. Just a good pair of headphones uh, if you want to take the full immersive trip. You know, you said on acid. Are, are we talking... We are indeed. LSD. Blotter tab and cube forms. Okay. I'm in. Alrighty then. I will tell you, though, uh, this is one absurdist ride. Well, that explains why you're involved. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, it would indeed, sir. When I first read this adaptation, I was so in that I could uh, barely contain myself. Um, it, ha it has a very small cast as well, probably mm, 
three, maybe four main characters, and a, a couple of supporting roles, and it has mechanical pigs. Oh, the splendor, the very rapturous joy of mechanized pigs is truly overwhelming. Don't bust a spleen there, big guy. (laughs) It's going to be an oral treat. I promise. I promise. Also, also, and this is a wonderful thing, uh, Richard Holton, the, the gentleman who wrote this epic, will serve as narrator. On this thing. So it's going to have that sort of insider knowledge kind of vibe, you know? Yeah, I know. He's uh, flying in this week to record his parts, yeah? Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're doing that uh, tomorrow, as it turns out. And uh, that will be a treat. I really like the narrator serving as sort of an anchor point in this thing. It uh, it kind of reminds me of the way the, the, um, the narrator works in Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, He steps in from time to time to elaborate or uh, give additional info to what's going on in the story and uh, can at times uh, add levity if necessary. Yeah. So uh, more info on this thing as it progresses. Um, I'm going to create a little uh, like journal thing that uh, will pop in on uh, subsequent shows that will sort of detail uh, in a uh, abbreviated form what we're doing on it give you a feel for how that production process is going on because this one i think is kind of new i think we're we're kind of blazing some new trails with this so uh, gonna be fun um hey maybe even get eco and milo a cameo in the thing oh oh i'm sure they love that actually cameo yay <laughs> yeah they probably chew the scenery big time Uh, And uh, with that, friends, we'll call it a show, and we'll sweep all the cracker crumbs and uh, broken champagne glasses under the chaise lounge, but not before thanking our contributors to this edition of Fusebox, the uncanny smoothness of Enrique Andrada, purely phantasmagorical ideification from Sabre May, and Jeff Pollard for superior non-sponsorship announcification. Thanks to Ali Velshi and MSNBC for appropriate news clippage. And, of course, thanks uh, to that guy who needs no introduction over there. <laughs> I kid. <laughs> I'm a kidder. You know that. Yeah, so I've been told. <laughs> mostly by me? Yeah, mostly by you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to the pundit of the parametric, uh, Milt Keynes, for technical assistance and kombucha wrangling. Uh, pleasure as always, and you're welcome. Yes, I really appreciate your efforts. I really do. Duly noted. Glad you like that stuff. Well, you, you're the one that got me started on it, so... My job here is done. <laughs> And, of course, uh, thanks as always to you, friends, for pushing play on this edition of the show. We know there is uh, much competing for your attention these days. Why, you could be washing your chinchilla right now. We, uh, we don't really want to see that, though, right? Uh, uh, since you're pretty close to the controls and all, why don't you uh, mash that subscribe button and maybe even give us an 11 out of 5 stars uh, while you're there? Truly a grand idea, Mr. Keynes. And there's the always wondrous Fusebox store. 
that Eddie here will endeavor to explain. Hey, it's as simple as pie. You go to thefuseboxshow.com and click on the shopping tab. And like flippin' magic, there you are. Oh, and if you're one of those book of face folks, click on the shop now button on the Fusebox Show Facebook page. Okay? Also, quick as a button. There you go. Enough said. Truly a wonderful notion, and uh, one we'd be happier than a pangolin at a termite convention if you would please stop on by. With that, I have been your Martinized for extra stiffness host, Mark Rose, saying, until our next cartoon. Fusebox has not been sponsored by the Irish pub, where my cousin Carl got his ass kicked that one time. The gas station, where my cousin Carl got his ass kicked that other time. The shirt place that, you know, sells shirts. And by Barking Aardvark, genuine Mexican vodka substitute. Ah, greetings, my many friends. I am Mr. Smooth. A man of many complexities, many mysteries yet to be discovered, and yet, I am a man of simple tastes. It is the simple pleasures that make life a glorious and sexy adventure, no? Perhaps you are such a man as this? Adventurous, passionate, lusty, but always smooth. If you're indeed such a man, then, like me, Mr. Smooth, you drink Barking Artwork Genuine Mexican Vodka Substitute, made only with the finest ingredient-like products. Ah, my many friends, you can taste the ingredients. Barking Artwork Genuine Mexican Vodka Substitute. Remember to always be smooth. This is Slog Augerbit, thanking you for apparently having nothing better to do than tune into Fuse.